I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be completely honest with you. I was very close to doing a rerun today. I am on the road right now in a very nice hotel. And I got to tell you, you know, when you get into a nice hotel and I I turn the air down, I like to sleep when it's really cool. Nothing worse than sleeping in a hot room. So the hotel room is nice and cool. And you know what it feels like to get into fresh sheets. It's the first day I've checked into this particular hotel. I just made a change today to to a better hotel. You know that feeling where you just think, oh, you get in those cold sheets, you've got the TV there, you can watch a little show, catch a movie, just fade off. I've had a long day, to be honest with you, and I was really toying with it. It's it's kind of late at night. And I started looking at it, and I said, well, you know, I can call the station, and so let's just do a rerun for tomorrow. And, and then I and I, then I do what I do, and I start clicking around, and I, I see one story. One silly little story, one silly little drop-in-the-bucket story that got me off my butt. Late last night when I recorded this, when you're hearing this, it was last night, to record a new show. Now, you might think it's stupid. To me, it symbolizes everything. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but of course, as I always do to set up the show, you know, my, my quotes of the day are kind of mood music you'd never caught on. It's really quite, it's taxing to try to kind of figure out where I want the show to go and find the appropriate quotes for it. Not always. I don't always make it, but sometimes they make it. So let's get started with this to give you a little taste of of where we're headed. Quotes of the day today. This one was from Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand said, The hardest thing to explain is the glaringly evident which everyone has decided not to see. The hardest thing to explain is the glaringly evident which everyone has decided not to see. Another quote of the day that kind of follows up on that one is Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, The truth has no defense against a fool determined to believe a lie. As I read those things out loud, those are actually kind of different, but you'll see what I mean. (laughs) They, they, They both resonate with me at this time. Uh, Before we kind of get into the meat of today's show, I I ran across this, too. I thought this was kind of an interesting story. I don't even know where this appeared, but somebody had sent it out. Uh, Entrepreneur Trevor Nelson, Nielsen, excuse me, entrepreneur Trevor Nielsen set up a group that funded Extinction Rebellion and JSO. I can't remember exactly what JSO is, and I'm not going to open the whole story to see what it is. Uh, This is one of the environmental warriors. And if you know the 
the modus operandi of what Extinction Rebellion has become. They are some of these more radical, left-wing, climate change hysterics. So this entrepreneur, Trevor Nielsen, and it's always funny when I see that. He's an entrepreneur. Oh, I, I know what JSO is. Just hit me. JSO is Just Stop Oil. So I'm a little curious. Maybe I should do some reading up on Trevor Nielsen, who started a movement called Just Stop Oil. I'd be very curious to know how this entrepreneur runs his business. Does he sit in a cabin at the woods? I doubt it very seriously. I would imagine this entrepreneur is probably very uh, on the move. It's always very interesting, but, you know, we won't get lost in the hypocrisy of the climate change hysterics. But this Trevor Nielsen has seen something that I think is interesting. Uh, this is uh, the title of this piece is Just Stop Oil Fundraiser Tells Activists Just Stop, It's Not Helping. The sub-headline uh, is Entrepreneur Trevor Nielsen Set Up a Group That Funded Extinction Rebellion and JSO. That's the Just Stop Oil. He has since resigned and now says their methods are counterproductive, quote, alienating those they seek to persuade. Well, he certainly is right. I think it was just a couple of days ago, I believe some of these nut jobs uh, glued their hands to a Van Gogh painting. You may have dumped it with some paint. They've done this many, many times. Oftentimes, they just put paint on the protective glass. But I'm, I want to feel like this. they might have gotten their hands on the oil painting anyway. Certainly not popular things uh, with the public. But this Trevor Nielsen has seen something that kind of leads me into the show today a little bit because I think there's something kind of interesting that I'm watching right now. That I tell you quite often, I'm an observer. I really think that my point of view should be taken uh, seriously. Uh, it, it should be given some weight, not because I'm smart, but because I'm one of the few people that you ever hear of that is really just watching what's going on without a dog in the hunt in many of these cases. I just kind of watch the way people interact, and I see how horribly misguided everybody seems to be from an observer's point of view. And here's what I'm talking about. This is an interesting thing to watch to me. Conservatives right now are rightfully disgusted about some of the activities that are taking place at the Pride events and drag shows and story hours and everything in front of our kids. I, I completely understand uh, how distasteful uh, you find that. It, it, distasteful is even a, a kind word for that. It, it's really quite weird and... and uh, uh, it's, it's pornographic and perverted. And, and most people probably don't like that. Right, left, center, it really doesn't matter. Um, but we don't normally care if it's just a bunch of weird adults getting together with these things. Uh, most recently, they had the, the uh, Pride Parade. I can't remember what city this was in. One of the biggies. San Francisco, New York, Chicago, wherever it was. And this certainly made the rounds. Um What's interesting, it is conservative media, especially in social media, who are the biggest spreaders of sexually explicit images that many more children would see than would normally see that. It, it, it's weird, isn't it? 
in the rush on the right side of things, and, and, and look, I understand your argument. I absolutely do. But when you think about this parade, I've seen this plastered, and there's some really disgusting things going on in the streets there, and there are children in the crowds. I am as just as mystified slash outraged as you. How does a parent take their child to go see these kinds of things? I understand it. I, I'm with you mentally there. The, the funniest thing to me, though, again, as an observer, here's what's actually happening. In a rush to get clicks and praise from the right-wing tribe, conservatives right now are essentially flooding the Internet with weird porn. Had, had many of these images not been spread by conservative media, uh, only the local crowd and maybe some other leftists from the LGBTQ uh, community would have ever even seen these events. Now everybody, including children, are treated to the endless <laughs> replayable streams of naked men on bikes and obese men in tidy whities twerking in a parade. Do you understand what I'm saying? What happened on the streets with these parades? It, it is appalling and just weird to, to, to try to get inside the parents' heads that would take their children to see these things, the kinds of adults that would perform this way in front of children. I'm with you. But the funniest thing is to me that these events would be really very small were it not for anyone, anyone, conservative people conservative, air quotes here in the studio, influencers. They are the ones actually propagating this stuff and making sure it is seen far and wide by tens, hundreds of millions of more people than would typically see these things ever in their lives. Are you really winning the culture war? Or is the right at this point actually propagating it? Would this thing have been snuffed out in its crib, uh, resigned as it always has been to a, a small sliver of the population that for some reason is drawn to these, this kind of depravity? Now, <laughs> go check out Twitter. Go check out YouTube. Even go check out Fox News. If you missed the obese man twerking in his tidy whities this past weekend, you can find it all over conservative media. Now, let me just say, I can be accused of being harsh towards the conservative side of things. To the weird people on the left, uh, you're being used as well. They, they are being prompted, the people on the left, you're being prompted to become more and more outrageous to make sure that your things go viral for your tribe. And, and the strangest thing is, in looking at all of these interactions, whether it is these kinds of things or when you see uh, confrontations between average human beings, which I think is so absolutely pointless, um, the left, you don't seem real happy. i got to tell you, you don't seem like a, like a happy people. When I see you interact with people and scream in their face, and I mean, uh, for the most part, you don't look healthy. You don't look happy. Uh, it, it seems like maybe you're being used as well. You, you feel to me, and, and when I watch these things, as an observer, as an observer, don't shoot the messenger, you appear very 
unstable, filled with hate and loathing, which is just, to me, a sad way to live. But of course, with all of this, whether it is the misery on the left, the anger and self-loathing that drives you, or it is on the right of propagating what is essentially pornographic material to get clicks and attention from your tribe, the elites love it all. Keep on playing. Because both of your sides are exactly where they want you, fighting in the streets and stoking more and more hatred online for each other. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, things aren't getting uh, getting any more calm. Now, I don't know where it stands in the culture war. I believe the pendulum would have swung long ago, long ago, without social media, without the conservative amplification of some of these things. Now, it would still exist. We know the left is pushing this stuff. But I don't think they would have reached the audience. I don't think it would have become the cultural driver that it is right now without conservative media actually calling more attention to this stuff. I just find it kind of interesting. We actually have people on the right right now screaming about pornographic performances in front of children and their solution to that? Send it out into the, into the cyberspace. Put it where every single person, including children, will see it online. Seems like an odd approach to me. I'll be right back. Don't stop me now. Don't stop me. Cause I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger. Of course, the biggest story of the past week was this weekend's Russian Civil War. <laughs> this was also... <laughs> I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse with this, but as somebody who... You know, when this started going on, I'm obviously very interested in what's going on between Russia and Ukraine and the neocons in Washington, D.C. that have really pushed this war and continued to perpetuate it. Uh, I, I'm interested in this stuff, but... Am I the only person who started to look at the headlines that came out of Russia and I didn't know what was going on? Because I'll tell you, I went to Twitter, Twitter particularly, when I started hearing rumblings about this. I was busy. I'm on the road. I'm working. And, and I saw this, and it was very interesting that everybody on Twitter knew exactly what was happening. Some were absolutely sure that this was the challenge to Vladimir Putin that was finally going to take him down. Look at the trouble he's got in this country. His days are numbers numbered. He's fleeing for his life. This is the end of the Putin regime. And there were other people who, who said, this guy is a big nothing burger. Uh, there's nothing happening. I mean, I saw pictures from Russia. I saw some images of these fighters, these Wagner groups, that were actually running out into parks, laying down on the ground, setting up their rifles on the little tripods, and, and, and looking through the sights. It looked like full-on war in Moscow. And then two or three entries down on Twitter, I would see somebody saying, 
I'm in Moscow right now. Here's the park. And you would see people sitting there feeding the pigeons and eating popcorn like nothing was happening. Yet everybody on Twitter knew exactly what was going on. They knew. And they were ready to tell the world exactly what was going on. None of us actually knew. It was quite interesting, though. I still don't know exactly what happened. The best sense you can make of it, judging by the 12-hour rebellion that was on Vladimir Putin's hands, if it was even that, and many people don't even know if it was a staged event, that it was some rope-a-dope by Putin and this, uh, I don't even want to try to pronounce the guy's name, Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner group, that this might have been staged, that maybe uh, Prigozhin... This is my favorite story. I'll just tell you this one. I don't know it to be true. I would never come on here as some kind of an authority saying that I know what happened. But what I love, my favorite story, is that Prigozhin went to the... uh, or He was approached by the CIA because he's made all of these speeches against Russian military leadership. And he said, you know, I'm really ripe to turn. I think that I can take Putin out if you just give me enough money to feed my troops and really get us the arms we need. And the Pentagon hands over $6.2 billion, the missing $6.2 billion that they found in the couch cushions of the Pentagon. I would love the idea that maybe they came to him and this Bergerson guy called and <laughs> called Putin and said, they did it. We've got $6.2 billion. Are we going splitsy still? And they take the money and Pergozin goes, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to Belarus. Here's your, here's your 3.1. I take my 3.1. We laugh at the Yankees. You take in the troops into your, uh, into your military now, and I'm going to take a well-deserved vacation. This Pergozin guy, he's been at it for a while. So that's my favorite uh, event, notwithstanding the fact that those are U.S. taxpayer dollars that just lined in somebody's pockets somewhere. Now, I don't even know if that $6 billion actually went to Prigozhin. It's just my favorite story because it makes a laughing stock of the CIA and the Pentagon, which they should be mocked at every possible opportunity. But it was very interesting. It appears it was, uh, was dispatched with rather quickly. It's one of those things we will probably never actually know the truth of exactly what happened. But Putin seems to be doing fine. And i got to tell you, the headlines coming out of Russia, there was one video going around. I'm sure there's some unhappy Russians out there. But there's, there's one video going around that struck me in a, in a kind of an interesting way. Uh, there's a room full of young people, and they're singing this, something that's a, apparently a new hit. I don't speak Russian. I've tried. Privyet. That's hello in Russian, I believe. It's the only word I've mastered. Um, but it appears to be uh, there's a new song in Russia and these kids are singing. It looks very patriotic. What struck me the most was this is a room full of young Russians dancing and smiling and singing this homage to uh, their motherland, Russia. None of them were fat. Now, I don't know if that's a shallow thing to notice, but it, it's almost striking at this day and time when you look at the America, you look at pictures of America. We've talked about them here on the show. Many people have. You look at a picture of Woodstock. What was that? 500,000, 300,000 young adults at Woodstock in 1969. There's almost nobody that's overweight. And you look at a picture of 300,000 now. What is it? 58% of them are morbidly obese. 70% of them are overweight. It was just a little striking when I saw all these Russian early, you know, late teens, early 20-somethings. They look to be in pretty good shape. We might not want to mess with them. Outside of that, there's been something very interesting, too, and I don't have time today 
eh, I'm down to my one little hour a week. But I've got several clips kind of holding out there. Uh, presidents of places like Kenya and some other places. Uh, God, what was the name of that place? Uh, Djibouti. Djibouti may be a town, not a country. I apologize. I got to tell you, when I get to it, I'm pretty good geographically. I've traveled a lot of the world. I've never been to Africa. I get a little lost down there on what countries are what and where the capitals are and that kind of stuff. But anyway, there have been many leaders of these African countries that are coming out and, and openly saying, why are we using the U.S. dollar? It seems really silly for us to trade with our neighbors. We've got to go get dollars, and then we send them dollars, and they have to convert their dollars to their local currency. Why don't we just start trading? And they're starting to trade in their local currency. Something is happening around the world. Other countries are starting to throw off the chains that the U.S. government has imposed. Now, I've really wondered why this hasn't happened before. The United States has so demonstrably been a bully around the world for decades and decades, but most particularly for the last 30 years, really in, a, in an obnoxious way. Sanctions just being thrown all over the place, locking people out of uh, payment systems, locking them out of the world— endless sanctions. And I always wonder, why do they put up with this? But, you know, the dollar was strong. They thought our military was strong. But they maybe they've gotten a new weapon. <laughs> maybe the aliens have come and said, hey, let's, let's, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. Anyway, a lot of countries are throwing off the shackles. They are, they are openly defying the United States. Even France last week, even in France, the uh, I don't know if it was a contemporary secretary of state, one of the French leaders basically handed it to John Kerry. As John Kerry was blasting Vladimir Putin, the French guy goes, what about Bush? What about all of the American presidents that have been invading countries for decades now? And Kerry was put on the hot seat. He didn't have any good answers. He tried some of the, well, you know, it's different and they said, well, you know, you, you invaded Iraq on a lie. And Kerry said, well, we didn't know it was a lie, which actually, ironically, is a lie. We did know it was a lie. But all of these countries from our closest allies uh, all the way down to countries you've never even heard of are all making public statements just in the past month or so, basically just saying, we're done with it. You've got the Saudis and the Iranians, the Sunnis and the Shia that are coming together and forming navies to get out from underneath the yoke of the American empire. It's very interesting, but before anybody says it, this might be an opportune time. Uh, Joe Biden's the worst president that has ever, maybe ever run ever any country at any time in the history of the world. I'm willing to say that. I don't have a historical reference for that. It's just kind of my spidey sense is we may have the worst president, the worst air quotes here in the studio leader that any at least any modern country has ever had the misfortune to have. But no, it's not just Biden. Now, he is certainly pushing it over the edge with this stuff in Ukraine, really pushed the Russians. Well, they'd already been pushed together, but he really kind of soldered, kind of soldered that relationship, really got them glued together. But decades of U.S. bullying is finally coming home to roost. You know, Trump threw around sanctions like Halloween candy. Russia, China, Iran, Syria, Venezuela. And of course, the invasions and sanctions from Obama and Bush and Clinton and Bush won. The United States has been cruising for a bruising, as my friends in elementary school used to say. And I think it may be finally coming our way.
It's really quite interesting. If you start paying attention, I think they've had it. Things are going to change. Things are things are definitely ripe to change, and, and it's really sad. I, I love this country. But for some reason, I get, I get hopeful when I see some third-world leader from some small country in Africa standing up to the neocon psychopaths in Washington, D.C. I think that's ultimately going to be a good thing for all of us. It's going to be a little disrupt, disruptive along the way. But ultimately, it's going to be best for everybody, particularly for those countries finally standing up. I've got to take a break. Stick around. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Appreciate you joining me. I, I'll get to next segment. I'll get to the story that got me off the couch, got me, kept me away from my nice, cold hotel room bed you know, to record this show. Many might think it's a small thing. It just is one of those, you know, grains of sand, right? You pile them up high enough, it just takes one grain of sand for the whole thing to topple down. And, I mean, our system... Our system has been completely corrupted. And let, let me say this real quick before I forget, because I always forget. The show is podcast. If anybody finds this interesting, wants to share it, something a little different, I certainly have a unique perspective on conservative talk radio, to be sure. Uh, you can find The Mike Madison Show on many different Podbean. Uh, I, well, I post it to Podbean, but it's on many different uh, podcasting platforms. So just search for The Mike Madison Show, uh, and you'll find it. But the, the corruption of our system is, it's complete. I'm not saying it can't go any further. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm constantly amazed. I can't decide if I liked it better when they at least tried to hide things from us. I appreciate the fact that at least they felt like they had to put in some effort. Not any longer. Uh, I've been talking a little bit about central bank digital currencies coming our way. And one of the things that people don't seem to get is they think that they think the Fed's going to take everything over and this is going to leave the big, big banks swinging in the wind. Now, the big banks own the Fed. And I have always said, no, you're not going to be dealing straight with the Fed. They will carve it out for the big banks. And I got this quote from Jerome Powell just a couple of weeks ago. Well, a week ago. This is what Jerome Powell, this is the Federal Reserve chief, said this. Uh, he said, quote, We would not support a central bank digital currency for individuals. If we did have a CBDC, it would be intermediated by anyone, anyone, banks. That's right. See, the J.P. Morgans, the Bank of Americas, the mega banks, that probably within a few short years will be probably the last banks standing. I don't have time to get into what's going on in commercial real estate and the bond portfolios of the banks. It, it, it's not good. <laughs> but the big banks that are left standing, understand they'll get their VIG off this thing. And I found that a kind of stunning admission. This is one of the first times I've really heard it said out loud. Oh, don't worry. The big banks will still get to charge you interest. 
the Fed will just feed them this funny money, and they'll still get to loan it to you at interest. They'll still be able to take. And what are you going to do when there's a central bank digital currency? You can't take it out and just keep cash in your mattress. What are you going to do when the bank starts saying, well, we're going to charge you 2% on your savings? Not, not pay you 2%. We're going to charge you 2%. No, I tell you what, we're going to charge you 5%. Oh, look at that. Times are tough. we got to charge you 11% on your savings. But you can't take the money out. you just got to pay the fee. But the corruption of our system is just complete. Listen to this. I don't. Did you see that? Uh, I've seen it reported, and i got to be honest with you. Maybe I shouldn't even talk about this because I have not independently verified it, though I don't doubt it to be true. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, the FTX uh, fiasco where people lost billions and billions of dollars. Uh, apparently, uh, last week, I believe it was, the the, uh, the government has dropped many of the charges against Sam Bankman-Fried, the autistic video game player that ran one of the largest uh, Ponzi schemes that we've ever seen. He commingled client money and ended up, uh, a lot of it's missing. A lot of people lost a lot of money. From my understanding, they've dropped some charges against Sam Bankman-Fried. I'll, I'll research that a little bit more. But you want to hear some real corruption. As I say, I'm really not sure if I liked it better when they really tried to hide it. Because now, it, yeah, I think I liked it better when they hot, hit it. Because it, at least then, it's kind of like a, kind of like your dog. I love dogs. One of the funniest things, I'm a big boxer guy. When I, when I would come home and I would see something torn up or I would see something spilled or something like that, and I would walk into the room, my boxer would be sitting on the couch and he'd see me walk in and he'd just turn his head to the side. I mean, he knew he had done something wrong. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a dog beater, so we know it wasn't, but he knew how disappointed I was going to be. And I would just say, Joe, what happened here? And he'd kind of look at me with a side eye, but he'd turn his head to the other side. And he at least had some shame. I always respected that about the dog. He knew right from wrong. And he, he was a great dog. He rarely did anything wrong. But when he did, he knew it. Uh, we've gotten to a point now where they don't even look away. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan will pay a $4 million fine to settle the U.S. SEC allegations that the bank mistakenly deleted millions of electronic records. J.P. Morgan Chase has agreed to pay a fine of $4 million. <laughs> you understand what $4 million is to J.P. Morgan, right? Right? You remember when you were walking through the parking lot today and you saw six cents on the ground, but it was hot, and you just went, I don't feel like bending over and picking it up? That's $4 million to J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan Chase has agreed to pay a fine of $4 million in order to resolve allegations made by the SEC regarding the inadvertent deletion of numerous electronic records. How numerous, Mike? These deletions rendered crucial communications inaccessible to regulators in 12 ongoing investigations. According to the SEC, J.P. Morgan Securities, during the period from January 2018 to April 2018, permanently erased approximately <laughs> 447 million electronic records encompassing emails and instant messages. Consequently, the regulator noted that J.P. Morgan failed to produce requested documents in eight SEC investigations and four other regulatory inquiries. However, the SEC did not disclose whether these actions specifically targeted the bank. 
47 million records just permanently deleted. And they get a $4 million fine. You know what that is? That's what you call one of them their precedents. Any bank that finds themselves in any level of hot water is going to go, oh, $4 million or, you know, $100 million just in legal fees to try to defend ourselves against what's going on. The, the corruption is absolutely complete. Uh, what do I want to do here? Oh, gosh. I might have to save some of this for tomorrow. Got a little. Uh, Biden spokesman said uh, people are feeling better about their finances. And it's interesting because I've got it juxtaposed with another story. <laughs> it's actually uh, an interview with some kids today. It doesn't really feel to me like they're really feeling real positive about the economy. And I, I use uh, the platform of this show to point out to people that we're, we're really way too judgy on Gen Z, even millennials. Because if you were a boomer, if you're in my generation of Gen X, it's your fault. What's going on right now lays at your feet, not a millennial's, not a Gen Zer. As a matter of fact, not only did we allow the looting of our system for the past 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 years, depending on your age. You voted for the people that have looted the system. And a matter of fact, in, it voted for them and, and supported them enthusiastically. And we raised these kids. <laughs> the, the idea that we don't have any culpability in what the situation that they find themselves in is really quite laughable. But the last thing anybody wants to do is look at ourselves the boomers don't want to look at themselves and go, well, I mean, you know, we are taking Social Security payments directly from the checks of these young kids who can't afford a house anymore. No, you don't want to say that. You want to say, I paid in. Well, yeah, you paid in, but you also paid for you also uh, supported the politicians that stole your money out of Social Security. So the last thing we ever want to do is actually self-examine our own culpability in this. Uh, yeah, I've gone on long today. I don't have time, but I'm going to get to it tomorrow. It's really quite fascinating what these kids are saying, and I'd be kind of curious to know what people think about uh, what kids these days are saying. I've also got, boy, i got time. Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of this song. A young Asian guy, I want to have a little bit of fun, too, has <laughs> recorded this song uh, about the Federal Reserve. Inflation will keep going up for eternity. And this all was put into play in the 70s. Yeah, I'm talking about when Nixon started this fiat currency. Maybe it's all part of the plan To keep us poor, we never own anything The Fed will just keep on printing To bail out Woo. The world's biggest Ponzi scheme The elites give them more I'll fight over nothing Ooh, I wish Amen. I was joking I'm so sick of all their gaslighting 
Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, the voice is great. The words are even better. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. All right, final segment for today's show. So what what got me so fired up to do a show? And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you will think, in the grand context of everything that's going on in the world, including World War III, this may seem small to you, but boy, it did it for me tonight. Uh, Thomas Massey tweeted this out. This is how I ran across this. He said, today Biden announced a $42 billion plan to get 8.5 million families broadband by 2030. Thomas Massey goes on to say, come on, man, that's $4,941 per family to be taken from those families and other families in taxes. Elon Musk's Starlink can do it for $599 per family, and you don't have to wait seven years. So there is even the efficiency ridiculousness of it. Uh, but this is, uh, this is the story. It came out uh, the Washington Post. Biden announces $42 billion to expand high-speed Internet access. The funding, a centerpiece of the recent bipartisan, uh-huh, uh-huh, remember that word, bipartisan infrastructure law marks the largest ever federal push to help an estimated 8.5 million families and businesses. Whew. Maybe there's 8 million people that cannot afford broadband internet at this day and time. They seem to be surviving. Nobody's, nobody's dying in the streets for lack of broadband. But it's not even that. Here's what really gets me about this. This is not for the people who might still somehow not have broadband. This really has almost nothing to do with them. This is $42 billion to provide broadband for the providers of broadband. This is a lobbyist payoff. See, the right will get this wrong. The right will think this is a very leftist policy, that Joe Biden and the Democrats, and it's a bipartisan bill, I haven't seen the vote totals on this, who's supporting it and who's not, but they'll, pre they'll play this off as this is like socialism, Mike. Look at him, taking money from some people and giving it to others. The others don't even matter. That's why it's a seven-year plan. God knows where we'll be in seven years. Who cares? This is not about those people. This is a lobbyist payoff, not something for actual people. This is the same as Medicare Part D by the GOP, who paid off Big Pharma and wrapped it up in the idea that they wanted to get seniors affordable medications. And Obamacare and the Democrats... When they came out and they, they did Obamacare and said this is to get those uninsured people insurance, of course, costs skyrocketed. Just as many people still don't have insurance as they did before because it was never about those people in the first place. That was a lobbyist uh, health insurance company's uh, bill. Their profits triple, uh, doubled in three years. This is not socialism. This is cronyism. And I'm not sure what really makes me angry. I'm not sure what it takes for people to boycott this government. Oh, we're, we are, we're all over Target, aren't we? All over Bud Light. 
but we cannot seem to find our way to boycott this one institution that is robbing, I mean, abusing each of us. Do we seriously not have a, even one-tenth of the courage of the people at our founding who said that they had had enough at a 1.5% tax? Even the so-called patriotic people in this country are consumed with petty, worthless issues, and they serve this government every time it makes a demand. This is just another one of these things. As I said, it's a small issue. But just don't let anybody tell you this is some socialist thing. This is some uh, take from the rich and give to the poor. It doesn't matter. The poor don't matter in this. This is taking from the poor, taken from the working class, and giving it to the lobbyist and the donor class. That's what every one of these programs is. And I have had enough of this. Eventually, we've got to put our foot down. Well, as I say, it got me to do a show today. Whether you think it's a big issue or a small issue, got me fired up. That's all the time I got for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, bye Oh, school.